Welcome this morning to Willow Park Church. We're delighted that you have taken the time to join us, that you're with us, that we're going to enjoy some worship together. And then we'll be unpacking uh, some truth about the presence and the work of the Holy Spirit this week about the power of assurance and the way that the Holy Spirit seals our hearts to know that we are truly saved. Some people uh, are anxious about the fact, are they saved or not? And how do they know that they are saved? Well, we talk about the beauty of the Holy Spirit and that assurance. You're in for a great times of teaching, whether in mission or at Highway 33, and I know God will bless you. And as we step into the worship time, may he fill you and encourage you and lift you up at this time. Father, thank you that we can gather together this way. Bless us. In Jesus' name I ask. Amen. Enjoy the worship. Good morning. Welcome. Welcome to Church Online. We're Willow Park Church and we're here to do some worship. And why don't you lift your voices with us wherever you are at. We are all together now as we lift our voices in praise to the Lord. Good and I shout because you are good, you are good. 
God, you are so good, so worthy of our praise. We're joining the angels in heaven as they swirl around that throne, as the elders cast down their crowns. We're all hailing the power of Jesus' name. There's power in your name, and we are here to proclaim it and claim it and sing about it in Jesus' name. instant out of nothing you created the universe all powerful Lord you hold a world in your hand you hold all creation in your hand all powerful Lord you humbled yourself and became one of us to come rescue us to die for us how could you do that how could you leave that throne Yet that was the only way. So 
priceless gift This undeserved life Have I been given Through Christ crucified You call me out of death You call me into thank you enough but here we are in your church that you built with your blood with your sacrifice and your resurrection and now we have the Holy Spirit that joins us all together in this beautiful thing we call life and this beautiful hope we call eternal life all because of you great and powerful world we love you in Jesus name Amen Amen. Enjoy the rest of the service. God bless you all. What great worship. Such a wonderful band. So enthusiastic and good to connect and to lift our hearts towards the Lord. No doubt you know at this time we take a moment to remember our Lord Jesus Christ. All that he meant to us. The way that he gave his life for us. And I know that as we hold the bread, it reminds us of his body that was broken for us. He paid the price for our sins. Take a moment now to give thanks for the cross and for the work of Christ as his body was broken for us. Father, thank you for Jesus who obediently and willingly went to the cross. His body was broken for us and we remember his death. The body of Christ broken for you. Eat it in remembrance of him.
the wine, the blood of Jesus that was shed for us so that we may be pure, holy, clean, redeemed, forgiven, set free. He paid the price for us. He atoned for our sins. The blood of Jesus that takes away the sins of the world. Thank you, Lord, for all that you've done for us. And we love these moments to pause before you and to honour your name. Thank you, Lord. Amen. Amen. Well, let's hear what's going on in the life of Willow Park Church, and then we'll step into our teaching about the empower, empowered up work of the Holy Spirit. Hello, Willow Park Church. My name is Courtney. Thank you for joining us at Church Online. Here is your family news. Registration is now open for our in-person kids camp happening July 26th to 29th. This half-day camp will be lots of fun for kids age 4 to completed grade 4. But that's not all. We're also running a preteen adventure camp for kids who have completed grade 4 or 5. This camp is happening in the afternoons on July 26th to 29th and will include activities at the church as well as off-site adventures every day. Register today as space is limited. We have some exciting news for all of you who love camping. This summer you were invited to Willow Park Church at Pines Bible Camp. Camping is available July 5th to 16th and we will have special activities for all ages planned for the weekend of July 9th to 12th. Registration is now open, so be sure to register today as space is limited. We have two important meetings coming up at the end of May. Our finance meeting is happening on May 26th at 7 p.m. and our all-church meeting on May 27th at 7 p.m. Both of these meetings will be happening online using Zoom. Please register to attend at willowparkchurch.com meeting. That's all for your family news. Thanks and enjoy your service. Hi, Willow Park Church. I want to talk to you about India. We've had a wonderful relationship with that country for, what, over 10 years with uh, our ministry there, with the children's home. But I want to encourage you in this time of the COVID pandemic to step in. We have lots of relationships with graduates, with church planters, with those who are holding together Christian community. But what we realize is that many of that community are sick with COVID. Many of them are under pressure. Even some have died. And we want to take an offering through our partner Multiply, and we want to support the effort to show the love of God to these Christian communities. Can I encourage you to give? Can I encourage you to support? We've all seen the shocking images on, on our TV screens. We've seen what has been taking place. We know the massive uh, international response, our local response of mission of the church is to support these Christians, these communities, and help them get through this dark time. Will you please give? Well, good morning, Willapart Church, and especially if you are joining us from the South family, the mission location. We're just so happy that you're joining us this morning. Back in the studio, I'm excited to share with you this morning's message because this message is where it is all about. It is all about this message. If you're a Christian, 
If you're thinking about Christianity, if you are seeking, if you're a new Christian, then this message is going to be incredibly encouraging to you, and I'm excited to share it with you. We're in the middle of our series, Power Up, a study of the Holy Spirit. And if you remember a couple of weeks ago, I talked about how there's a, there's a pattern in the New Testament and a pattern in history when it comes to God doing amazing things in communities. And so I kind of called it the, the pattern for revival. So it starts off with a crisis and then God's people start seeking him out. Then there is a visitation from God. Then there's habitation of God inhabiting his people. And then finally there's transformation. And so the last couple of weeks we've been looking really at numbers three and four and mentioning number one as well, where God comes in the Old Testament and there is a, there's a visitation from God. And in the New Testament, be it tongues of fire or the shaking of the room. And, and then there's a promise in the Old Testament about how God is going to inhabit his people, that they're going to do amazing things. And then Jesus echoes this promise all the way through the New Testament. Today, what we're going to look at really centers around this scripture, which you can find in Titus, Titus chapter 3. And I'm just going to read it, and then we're going to, we're going to talk about it a little bit, then we're going to apply it, we're going to talk about it, apply it. And uh, even though on first look through, this might not seem particularly relevant to you, I want you to stick with me. If you are thinking about Jesus, or you're thinking about Christianity, stick with me, because this is very, very relevant to you uh, this morning. So, for we ourselves were once foolish, disobedient. Disobedient to whom? To God. Led astray, which means deceived, slaves to various passions and pleasures, passing our days in malice and envy, hated by others and hating one another. Wow, that, that isn't the most encouraging verse in the in the in the New Testament. But actually, I want to show you in a second how it is incredibly encouraging. But this this is the crisis. Let's just be really honest with ourselves. You know, if we were to peel everything back in our culture and look at what was going, this really is the crisis. This foolishness, this disobedience, Christians would say to God. People are being led astray and deceived that there's this passion and pleasure, addiction, that we're passing our days in malice and in envy and hatred, that our, our culture is caught up. This is the number one. Remember that pattern, the number one. This is the crisis. And, and so it's really hard to remain optimistic uh, for too long in our culture. You just need to turn the TV on or look at the internet. Uh, social media is just the worst. It's really, really hard to remain optimistic. But I want to show you that actually there's hope. Because if you look at this verse, even though it's a good description of what is going on in our culture, you know that actually there is hope found in this one word, once. For we ourselves were once foolish. Once foolish. This is past tense. This is actually speaking to a future hope. Hope is found here. This is not the end. This is not our design. This is not the way things should be. And we know that things aren't the way they ought to be. We kind of intrinsically, innately know that things should be better. But at the same time, we've no idea really how to change. So let me just explain this for a minute, because this is very, very important. I want to show you in this scripture, for we ourselves were once foolish. This is Paul being very honest. He's saying this is, this is the way things uh, were. We could say this is the way things are. And so we know that there's something better. So as Christians, we believe in something called the Imago Dei. It means that we were created in the image of God. That inside of us, in Ecclesiastes says, that we all have this sense of God, a sense of eternity, a sense of something better. How do we know that? You can go step into the worst crises, some of the most tragic moments, and know that this isn't the way things should be. As a pastor, uh, I've had many, many opportunities to be with uh, loved ones of people who are going through extreme sickness or, uh, or even have passed away. There's a sense that this isn't the way things should be, that there's something better, that we intrinsically know that what we are experiencing is not the best. How do we know that? Because we're always striving for something better. 
we always want to change. We want a transformation. If we didn't know there was something better, we would be blissfully ignorant and we wouldn't want to change. And so what we do, though, is we don't actually know how to change. Our culture will throw all sorts of suggestions our way that have been tried for a millennia in many, many different ways, none of which actually change this list that really is the crisis that we're experiencing. And so we, we can put up placards, we can shout louder, we can say we need to love one another more, we need to accept one another more, we need to hate less. And all those are things are true. It tells me two things. First of all, we know there's something better, otherwise why would we be saying that we should hate less? If there wasn't extreme racism um, then, and, and we knew that there wasn't a better way, then why would we be complaining? We're complaining because we know that there's a better way. What we don't know is how to bring change. And just by telling people that we ought to change is actually far more frustrating than it is helpful because we can't actually make that change happen. But we continually reach for the change. We continually reach for the transformation. And this is why this message is so important. Regardless of where you are on your spiritual journey, I think we can all agree that we all know that things have to change. There has to be transformation. We reach for it. And we love transformation stories. Our pop culture, our modern post-Christian world loves transformation stories. You know, we love the, you know, we love movies where maybe the not so great looking actually turns out to be incredibly beautiful. There's this transformation. The weak turns out to be strong. The downtrodden becomes the champion. That we love the uh, progress picks or the transformation picks that I used to look like this, but now I look like that. That I went to the gym 27 times a day for several hours and now look at my abs because look at what I used to look at like when I was camping out in Tim Hortons all day. We love transformation. We know that there's something better. It's the poor to the rich. We like changing houses, changing the way we look. We like certain types of change. We, we strive for these transformations because we believe deep down inside that there should be something better. But all those changes that I've just described, even though we're striving for them because we know there's something better, don't actually bring the change in society that we want. Making ourselves look better, putting more money in our pockets, doesn't actually change racism or sexism or some of the horrible things that are going on in our culture. It might distract us for a little while from them, but it doesn't bring real change. And this, and this list that I showed you is actually pointing to the type of change we want. So if you look at the, the antonyms, the opposites, we ourselves were once foolish, so ideally we want to be wise. Disobedient to God, well, we want to show obedience and adherence to God, that instead of being led astray, we need to take a lead. Instead of being slaves to various pleasures and passions, we want to feel free from them. So these addictions and these habitual sins, we would call them, we want freedom from them. This self-medication, we want freedom from them. Instead of there being malice, we want kindness. Instead of there being envy, we want there to be contentment. Instead of there being hatred, we want love. These are the changes that actually will bring community transformation. These are the things that are the most important. And if you're a parent today, or if you're somebody who has influence in a young person's life, be really honest with yourselves. What is it that actually we're encouraging and striving for? Are we encouraging this kind of list? Or are we encouraging the other type of transformation? You can get rich, you can get better, you can become stronger. Because that isn't actually what brings transformation. What brings transformation is on the inside, the internal attributes, if you like. So this leads us to a really big question. We can agree that we're in crisis. We can agree that we want change. We can agree that we know there's something better. We can agree that that is proved because we're all striving for transformation. We can agree that we look for transformation in the wrong places that actually don't have an impact. What we might disagree about is how that transformation happens. How does that transformation happen? Does it happen through social reform? Well, that's been tried. Does it happen by there being more socio-economic balance? That has been tried. Uh, does it come about by more money being thrown at a situation? 
That doesn't work either. What about more education? That doesn't work either. What about protests? That doesn't work either. What about real vehement social media posts? That'll do it. That doesn't work either. So what is the answer to this longing that you and I have for things to be different? What is the truth? What is the transformation? What does it look like? So we're stepping into now this beautiful time of year, spring. My, my yard has erupted in growth. It's, it's wonderful. I love the grass. I actually quite enjoy looking after the grass. But there's an ever-present difficulty when it comes to this time of year, which is weeds. Weeds are growing as quick. And, and there was a time, and I worked hard at changing this, there was a time when my grass was more weeds than it was grass. But I found that if you cut it, that the weeds are actually green enough to make it look like it's grass, even though it's weeds. You cut the weeds, they look green. That's great for a really short period of time. Because what I needed to do was I needed to deal with the roots. I needed to deal with the problem of weeds. And I found out, actually, the best way to deal with weeds is not by throwing weed killer down, but actually by encouraging the grass to grow more. You feed the grass and the weeds take care of themselves. What we do in our culture is we spend all our time cutting down the weeds rather than actually looking to see how we can deal with the roots. And the roots is not dealt with just by weed killer and by change all the time at the roots. It's actually by shifting our focus on what else we can change. What else should we be transforming? And this passage is what this is about. It's giving us a clue, and I'm going to show you in a second, as to how real transformation happens. But what we tend to do is what Pilate did in John chapter 18. He's got Jesus stood right in front of him, and he asks this question that philosophers have wrestled over for for millennia. And he asks this question, what is the truth? You can read it in John chapter 18. And Jesus is stood right there, moments away from being taken away to being crucified. And Pilate asks Jesus, what is the truth? You know, the most ironic thing about that whole situation is that truth was stood right in front of him. He was the truth. Everything that Jesus stood for was truth. And it was stood right in front of him. And Pilate, as it were, kind of figuratively looks past Jesus saying, no, there must be some other truth. And so here's what I want us to do this morning for the next few minutes. I want us to stare into the face of truth. I want us to stare into the face of Jesus, into God, into the kingdom, into the Bible, if you like. Not look for other answers. Let's just consider and reflect on the answer that as Christians we believe is the truth. And if we can guard ourselves from just trying to believe the truth that we want to have happen and just be open just for a few minutes, I think you're going to see something really, really exciting about what Christianity is all about. Because in this next verse, Titus chapter 3, verse 3, Paul goes through, this is the problem, but we were once foolish. There is hope that we can leave these things behind. How? Well, he goes on. But when the goodness and loving kindness of God our Savior, Jesus, appeared, he saved us, not because of works done by by us in righteousness, but according to his own mercy, by the washing of regeneration and renewal of the Holy Spirit, whom he poured out on us richly through Jesus Christ, our Savior. This is an amazing passage. It, It sums up the Bible. It sums up the whole story of Scripture. And the word that I want us to focus on, so remember, what is the question? How do we change? How do we get transformed? How do we say that we were once in crisis? This word here, washing of regeneration. This word regeneration is an incredibly powerful word. In the Greek, which is what this, uh, this letter was written in, in the original language by Paul to Titus, regeneration means regenesis. It literally means a new genesis. This is a massive word. What Paul is saying is, is that through Jesus Christ, you can have a genesis moment happen in your life. That there can be, there can be a massive regenesis and change that is so radical a transformation that is beyond understanding can be yours and mine so the way that the weeds start getting dealt with is actually looking at you and I rather than the weeds how can I change how can I get a transformation how can I have a genesis happen in my life and this is such a significant word because this word really sums up the mission of Jesus 
The mission of Jesus when he came to earth was to communicate about a new kingdom. A kingdom that's going to come, he said. The kingdom is here, this new kingdom. And look, you can see it in Matthew 9. Um, verse 28 says, Jesus said to them, truly I say to you, in the new world, it's the same regeneration, regenesis, this new world, when the Son of Man will sit on his glorious throne. When Jesus came, he spoke constantly about this new kingdom. Now, now just stay with me. I know this is a little complicated, but we're going to land this. Jesus talked about a new kingdom and all that this new kingdom represented. Christianity is about transformation from old kingdom to new kingdom. But somewhere along the line, Christianity became more about saving people from hell and getting them into heaven. Whereas Jesus speaks about new kingdom, a new earth and a new heaven. The problem with focusing just on heaven and hell, Christian friend, when you're talking to people about Christianity is that if, if we only focus on escaping what we're in right now and get into heaven safely, then it becomes very escapist. We can get quite judgmental. We can withdraw from our community and our city. And that's not what God's plan is. God's plan is that we as Christians bring new kingdom into our communities. And so this is what God is seeking, this new heaven, this regeneration, a new way of living. It literally is referring back to the way things were in the Garden of Eden, this, this beautiful moment in history where everything was perfect before sin broke the world. That God wants us to go back into this new earth, new heaven. And so there's this cosmic um, application to this regeneration that there will come a day when the old earth what we're experiencing now will become new earth that King Jesus will be sat on the throne and as Christians we will live on new earth we won't be living in heaven singing worship songs every day all day for the rest of eternity the Bible speaks about new earth and new heaven and Jesus when he walked this earth speaks towards this new kingdom this new plan a new way of doing things. It's Genesis moment. A new world. But what Paul does is he takes what Jesus taught in terms of a cosmic level and makes it really personal. Because look, he says, he saved us, you and me. For those who believe in Jesus, you are saved. Not because of the works we've done, but according to his own mercy. How are we saved? By the washing of regeneration. This new Genesis happens in our lives. This new genesis that is so radical. Okay, so, so buckle up because this is where it gets really exciting. Let's just recap. We're in crisis. We know that there needs to be a change. We know that there should be a better way. We love transformation stories, but often we look to transform the wrong things. Transformation begins with you and I. Let's forget about the weeds for a second. Let's just think about you and me. And Paul says this change, this transformation, this Genesis moment happens in us by Jesus Christ through the renewal of the Holy Spirit. And not only that, as you read the scripture, you'll see that this promise is for now. When you believe in Jesus Christ, the Holy Spirit pours out the regenesis on us now. What does that mean? Look at this next bit. A new Genesis and renewal of the Holy Spirit. He's poured it out on us richly through Jesus Christ, our Savior. So when you become a Christian, the Holy Spirit is poured out into your lives. This brings a Genesis moment, a new creation, a transformation that is unbelievably powerful. And it happens in your life. So now you're no longer trying to get transformation into your world just by your own effort. It comes by Jesus Christ through the Holy Spirit. And in fact, he says it's not because of works, verse 5. You cannot do this. This is so powerful. There is nothing you can do to bring this kind of transformational power into your life. It comes through the Holy Spirit now. So here's what's been happening to me over the last few years. My children have been getting older. And so I get excited about um, introducing to them what they would call ancient movies, but I would call just movies uh, and good movies in my estimation from my past I'm saying hey we should watch 
we should watch this. Uh, we should watch Braveheart. We should watch. And at Christmas, I said, you know what? Best Christmas movie ever made? Die Hard. We need to watch Die Hard. And, and then this other movie that I also love as well, that I'm going to introduce you to in a second. The problem is, is I'm 48 years old. And so and my memory isn't what it used to be. I forget how much swearing there are in some of these movies. And so then I get judgmental glances from my teenage kids and my young adult kids like, really, Dad, this is one of your favorite movies, Die Hard, Christmas movie. I'm like, well, yeah, I forgot it had so much swearing in it. It's an unbelievable amount of swearing. And some of you are going, well, yeah, you idiot. Did you forget? I'm like, yeah, I forgot. The fun part was is that my kids started bleeping out the swear words themselves really loudly whenever it came up because we had the subtitles up and they were just so we never actually heard any of the words. It was really funny. But one of the movies from my childhood, Back to the Future, again, you need to be careful. I'm not recommending you watch this with your kids around, especially if they're younger. But everything about this movie especially the the next uh, the, the next two movies in the in the in the movie series was about time travel. Do you remember that? That's the whole premise of the movie. And there was a time when when he goes Marty jumps forward in time and experiences the future and I think it was in the 80s or was it 2000? I can't remember. You can send me emails and tell me what year it was that he jumped towards. I'm sure that some of you know the answer straight away. Um, but he jumped forward to the future. Here's what happens when you become a Christian. I want you to hear this because this is exactly what happens. Instead of us jumping, time traveling to the future, instead of us as Christians always looking to heaven, instead of us Christians always looking to what's going to come, what you actually see in the scripture is that the future comes to us. That time travel is possible in a spiritual sense because the future, this new heaven, this new earth comes to us. So what do I mean by that? It means that when Jesus Christ, when belief in Jesus Christ happens in your life, the Holy Spirit fills, as we've seen the scripture, pours into you this regeneration, this new creation, this new kingdom that Jesus speaks about to come and it will come, new earth, new heaven in the future, actually becomes part of our lives now. It impacts our world now. And so we don't go there. We don't just try and check out of what's happening now because we're thinking about heaven. It actually comes to us. So what Paul is saying is this, that the royal presence of King Jesus becomes part of your life now. That God's perfect future in this amazing universe where it will be beautiful again one day, new earth, new heaven, becomes part of our life now. That same power becomes part of our lives now through the Holy Spirit. And elsewhere in Paul's teaching, he talks about a guarantee in Ephesians. He talks about the Holy Spirit being a down payment for what is to come. Think of it this way. Imagine somebody said to you, um, look, I'm going to leave you a billion dollars inheritance. And it's going to come at some point in your future. It's going to come, that billion dollars. But until then... I'm going to deposit a million dollars into your account every year until then. And I'm not going to tell you when it's going to happen, but know that it is going to happen. But as a guarantee of that, I'm going to give you a million dollars every year. Would that not change your life straight away? Of course it would. You're not going to go, oh, great. So I don't get a billion. This million is no good. Of course not. We immediately get impacted and changed and transformed by this deposit of a million dollars into our lives every year, knowing that it's just going to get even better. That is Christianity. That when you believe in Jesus Christ, the Holy Spirit is deposited into your life as a guarantee of the power and the future that is yours. You are going to spend eternity with Jesus forever and ever. King Jesus on the throne, new earth, new heaven. That's going to happen. But in the now, you get to experience and be transformed. That's amazing. This life change is for now. Why does this matter? It matters because if you're thinking about Christianity or if you've been a Christian a long time or if you're a new Christian, let me tell you that Christianity is far more powerful than just some warm, fuzzy activity that you do once or twice a month with your kids 
or some church activity that you go to to alleviate the guilt or this joy and peace that he makes you feel in times of trouble. It is so much cosmically, powerfully more than that. This promise that you today can have a relationship with Jesus Christ in such a way where the Holy Spirit will create a Genesis moment in your life and things will never be the same again. That God's kingdom in your life now, his kingship now, his power now as a guarantee of the power that is going to come. Paul says it in Ephesians 1, having the eyes of your hearts in light. He's praying that we would wake up, that you may know what is the hope to which he has called you. What are the riches of his glorious inheritance in the saints? That we might get an understanding, Christian friend, of what it is that you have inside of you. That you have the power of God resonant inside of you. The Genesis moment inside you. And what Paul is saying, look, I want to take you to the top of the mountain. And I want you to look across the view of eternity. And I want you to see what is going to come. But enjoy it while you are there. Enjoy it. No one stands. Look at that. That's an amazing picture. Nobody stood on the top of that precipice going, I am amazing. In comparison to this view, truly, I am glorious. No, we take our eyes off ourselves. We place it on the hope and the power that is resident and what is to come. And Paul is taking us in Ephesians. He's saying that your hearts might be enlightened. You might just see and know the hope to which you have been called. This is an amazing promise. This is not just an added extra to your already busy world. Christianity is not like joining the golf club. It is a life transforming Genesis moment in your life. It's called conversion, this regeneration that happens through the power of the Holy Spirit. Christianity is not just to help you achieve your goals. Christianity is not just there to help you feel better about yourself. Christianity is not just about what you and I can gain out of it. It is about a total transformational new kingdom resident in your life. This regenesis by the Holy Spirit, the power of the divine king renewing absolutely everything in your life. And can I tell you, when this happens in your life, Everything changes. Everything is different. Don't ever underestimate the power that is resident in you, Christian friend. Do not ever underestimate the power that is a promise to you, seeker, friend. When you, uh, when you submit to Jesus and ask for his forgiveness and he becomes Lord of your life. This is deposited in you. This Genesis moment. And I want to say this carefully and lovingly and respectfully. So please hear me all the way through. I do not care what your bad habit is. I do not care how bad and sin-filled and shameful you are. I don't care how guilt-filled you are. I don't care how strong the fear is. I don't care what is wrong with you. Let me tell you with absolute total surety that this regenesis can move it, can change it, can remove it, can overcome it. It is that powerful. Never underestimate the power of regeneration and the impact that it can have on you, your family, your neighborhoods and your community. True, total transformation, city changing transformation is resident in the family of God through this regeneration. He lives in you. He lives in you and it's so powerful. And to make Christianity just some activity is almost blasphemous. It is the power of God living in you. Does that not sound good? Does that not sound like you just want to stand up right now, wherever you're listening to this, don't do it when you're driving, and just go, yes, that's amazing. Did I have that in my life? Yes and amen you do. It is a powerful, powerful thing. So in closing, how does this happen? How does this regeneration happen? Well, Paul gives us a clue again. He saved us, not because of works done by us in righteousness, but according to his own mercy. So here's what Paul is saying here. This saving grace, this Holy Spirit moment is initiated by the Holy Spirit and completed by the Holy Spirit. Do you remember in Genesis 1 uh, where it says the Holy Spirit hovered above the chaotic sea? It's like the Holy Spirit hovers above the chaos of our life. 
gently but persistently wooing us towards him. What do I mean by that? That's an old-fashioned word. Made me feel all Shakespearean. He just calls. Sometimes it takes years. It's just this gentle, sometimes violent, but persistent call towards Jesus. You can't escape it. It's like he's hovering, ready to create. Remember how the message put it in in, in Psalm 51, ready to create a Genesis week in the chaos of your life. That's what Eugene Peterson said. He's hovering above the chaos of your life, ready to create, to transform, to regenerate, to change forever, to fill you up, to pour out in you. Look, he poured out on us. He's ready. And our experiences, my experiences, Christian friend, your experience was that there became a moment when suddenly when you weren't interested before, suddenly now you're interested. Where did that come from? Where did that sudden awareness of God, your own mortality, your own eternity, where did that thought come from? Hmm, I wonder whether there is a God. Where did that come from? It came from the Holy Spirit by his grace and mercy, not because of anything you've done, not because of works you've done, but by his own love and mercy for you. And I'm believing right now as I'm talking that there are people who are listening to this who are having that moment in their life where the Holy Spirit has been calling you for years and you've resisted it. But can I tell you, he is ready to create a Genesis moment in the chaos of your life. Why would we not run towards that? Cry out for forgiveness, say yes. But there's something important here that needs to happen before you are regenerated by the Holy Spirit. Not because of works done by us in righteousness. You know, a step towards Jesus begins uh, with a step away from ourselves. That a step towards having the Holy Spirit regenerate us starts with us recognizing that we can't change ourselves by our own works. In other words, the Bible says he calls us while we're still sinners. But there's this sense where we have to lose faith in ourselves. That we recognize that we're sinners. We recognize that we can't do this. And this is, when I wrote this, I thought, this is going to cause problems. Do you know why? Because that statement is so countercultural. That you have to recognize that you aren't powerful enough. You have to recognize that that transformation and change is not going to happen in your own strength. That it is not going to happen by you doing things better, more powerfully or more possessions. You know that, no matter you, that you can have your pockets stuffed with money and be a great-looking, fit, powerful, influential person while still, while still being broken inside. There's that, I'm doing fine, but I'm actually dying inside. We have to come to the place where we lose faith in ourselves. And that is so countercultural because everything in our culture wants to tell you that you are powerful enough, you are important enough, you have everything that you need inside of it. Can I tell you that? It's a total and complete lie. And life reminds us of that lie when it slams into us so hard it takes our breath away and we're left with nothing. That situation happens around us or in us or, or to us that we thought, hey, I was in control, I thought, until this happened. Do we realize how small we are? And we need to stop looking for transformation in ourselves. And when we do that, when we shift away from our own righteousness and we start looking to outside in change, Jesus Christ through the Holy Spirit change, that's when transformational power happens. That this transformational power of the Holy Spirit comes into your life when you recognize you cannot save yourself and you need Jesus and I don't know whether you've ever come to that point where you've lost faith in yourself. And even saying that word might be uncomfortable for you because you believe the lie that you have everything that you need inside yourself. You don't. You don't. Millennia of billions of people have proven that to be the case. But I am so grateful that actually you don't need anything inside of yourself. You need Jesus. You need the power of Jesus. You need the Holy Spirit regenerating a transformational Genesis week in your life or moment in your life. That's what you need. And everything that you are striving for is found 
in that moment. But it starts with recognizing that you are not enough, that you cannot do it, that you are a sinner and you need forgiveness. And you reach out to Jesus. And the promise is, is that he will fill your life. He will forgive you. The scripture says, as far as the east is from the west, he's going to take your sins and forget them. That you get a whole new start in life. And then your motivation changes, your behavior changes, your life changes. All those things you strive for come into your life. And then, not only that, that we then take it into the world, into our own world, no matter how small that is. Your world might be your three or four or five-year-old little girl or little boy. That you take this transformational change into their life. And then they see as they grow up something amazing in your life and his name is Jesus. And then you can communicate that and see that happen in your kids' lives. That's how communities are changed. Not by striving for bigger, better cars. Not by a bigger, better job. It changes by you and I changing. By you and I seeking this transformation. And we can train our children Trains maybe not a good word. Inspire our children to look to Jesus as we pray for them. And as we go into our world and our communities, into our neighborhoods, we take this power with us. And the promise is, and it says this beautifully in Zechariah, that people, it says in Zechariah, will grab the sleeves of the people of God and say, take me with you for God is with you. That they will see something powerful in your life. And his name is Jesus through the power of the regenerating Holy Spirit. So that leads me to pray for you. Because in this moment, we have a choice. Christian friend, we can choose whether or not we just continue to do things in our own power. To ignore the promise that has been deposited in us. To not seek a continual filling by the Holy Spirit. We can ignore that and try and do things in our own power. People who are considering Christianity... You can continue in your own power. And you know deep down inside that that is not going to take you far. You will continue to strive for the new, the better, the bigger, the more expensive. Thinking that is going to satiate the thirst you have. While all the time you actually are dumbing down the enormity and the powerful design that has been placed upon you. Do not underestimate the power of Jesus Christ that can come into your life in an instant and change everything. But it starts with us recognizing that actually... I need forgiveness. I need for forgiveness, believing that I can be king and queen of my own life. He is king. He is Lord. And you ask for that forgiveness. And we're in the middle of an Alpha series right now. And, and we're seeing people coming to know Jesus. We had this beautiful moment happening this week. Uh, a few of them actually. Something really broke this week in Alpha. And people coming to know him. And it's so amazing, so incredible that this is happening. These Genesis moments happening in people's lives, so, so grateful. So people are coming to know Jesus everywhere, all the time. Is that not for you right now? So I'm going to pray. And I want you to do something that if you, uh, as you're listening to this, believe, you know what? I'm ready. The Holy Spirit has been calling me and today is the day. I want you to pray and I don't want you to let us know. I want you to press connect uh, or I want you to email us at info at willowpartchurch.com. And, and uh, the, if you're watching live, the chat host will help you do that. I want you to let us know so we can reach out and connect with you. So let me pray with you. Oh, Father, we thank you for your word. Thank you, Jesus, that you came and died and took the sin and the shame, the punishment that I truly deserve. You took that and it died with you. And I thank you, Jesus, that you rose in newness of life. And that power that rose you from the, uh, the grave is available to us, your word says. I thank you, Jesus, that as we believe in you, that you promise you will create a new moment, regenerate us, start again in us, create a new kingdom in us. And Lord, I pray for my, these wonderful people listening in this morning that that would be their testimony. That would be their story. That they cried out for forgiveness, Lord. And they experienced this regeneration. Lord, for my Christian friends, Lord, I pray that we would seek and strive after more and more of you. Forgive us for underestimating what you have deposited in our lives. But Lord, I pray you would forgive us. And Lord, we confess that we do things in our own power, believing that we are enough. 
that, Lord, in this moment we confess we're not enough. We need forgiveness. And we pray that you would pour out into us, those who don't know you, Lord, pour out into them the Holy Spirit in this moment and change them forever. We ask these things, Lord, because we know that you love us. You're merciful and you're kind. We're so, so grateful for what you've done and what you continue to do. We ask these things in your name, Jesus. Amen. Amen. Well, I hope you prayed with me. And, uh, and Church on Lawn is going to be happening in just a, a few minutes if you're watching the 9 a.m. Uh, service. And it will have happened if you're watching the 11 a.m. service or in the middle of it in the 11 a.m. service. Having a wonderful time uh, gathering together under the protocols. We're very grateful that we can do that. And, uh, and it books up quick. So if you've not done so, uh, maybe you start getting thinking about it for next week. We've got all sorts of great things happening, and I know you've heard about those already. But just know that we love you. We're praying for you. We miss you. Thank you so much for continuing to be so generous in your giving towards the ministry. We're seeing fruit from it every week, and we're so, so grateful that the Lord is putting that on your hearts. And uh, we will continue to pray for you, but have a wonderful, wonderful week. God bless.